photobiomodulation, artificial junk light, circadian rhythm. Today's episode is an amazing one with Andy Mant. There's so many, you know, studies out there that show the right thing to do. But there's also the always the N equals one side of things as well. Like there's studies out there that, that show the ketogenic diet's fantastic. There's ones that will show carnivores fantastic. There'll be ones that show, dare to say, veganism, you know, for some people might be. I don't know. It, I'm sure there's one or two people out there that it works for. But you know, you've got to listen to your own body and, and you can look at these biohacks, but you've got to look at them from that N equals one standpoint as well and what's gonna work better for you. You know, amber light might be better for someone or red light in the evening, but fun, the fundamentals should still apply you know ketogenic dieting works better for me but my ketogenic diet is going to look a lot different from yours and from the next person's but ultimately still i guess follow that kind of pattern but just that micro level um turned up or turned down depending on your dna your history your ancestry um, and the same can be true for i, I think in, in some degree with, with biohacking We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for pressing play today. Out of all the options out there, you chose us. The Keto Camp Podcast has listeners from 111 countries, we're about to hit 3 million downloads. We won the Keto Podcast of the Year Award from Metabolic Health Summit in 2022, and we're excited to have you with us. Today, I bring on the founder of Bond Charge, Andy Mant, and he's going to share why he decided to devote his career to studying red light therapy, aka photobiomodulation, and what that does to charge your mitochondria. How often should you do it? What's the protocol? Is too much a bad thing? We'll talk about that. He's also an expert on artificial junk light and what that does to your skin, to your brain, to your body, and some practical ways to mitigate the damage from junk light, especially at night. So we are going to focus the conversation on sleep hacks. We also get into two theories out there regarding wearing sunglasses outside too often. Now, if you're a sunglass wearer, this is going to be alarming to you. And this is something that I get on my mom's case all the time because my mom has the habit of always wearing sunglasses outside. And I always tell my mom, mom, take off the glasses, get some sunshine, photons through your eyes and retina. It's important. And the theory is this. There's two theories. When you wear sunglasses too often, you are blocking the body, the brain, the hypothalamus signal to produce melanin leading to increased skin damage and skin cancer, aka aging. 
And then there's another theory which he'll share as well. We also get into why you do not want to eat before bed and the problems that occur when you eat before bed. We talk about melatonin and cortisol and neurotransmitters, the benefits of eating earlier in the day, aka early time restricted feeding. And we also get some into some of his cool products, which is red light panels and blue light blocking glasses and all this cool stuff that I have right now around my office. And you might get it soon too. He also gave you a great coupon code for 20% off his products from Bond Charge. We'll drop a link down below. The code is KetoCamp. They are formerly called Blue Blocks. You might know them as that. But before I bring on Andy to have an amazing conversation, I want to get to today's Apple Podcast rating review of the day. This five-star review comes from GWorm111, titled, Don't Miss This Podcast. I've been listening to Ben for two years, along with Dr. Fung and Dr. Bickman, and I have lost 160 pounds and gotten off 13 medications in the process. Ben helps me stay positive and motivates me and cares for us with metabolic issues. He teaches me something new every time I listen. G-Worm, you are a three percenter. You are a rock star. 160 pounds, 13 medications. Come on. You are the perfect example of the amazing, the beautiful human body and the ability for the human body to heal itself when you remove the interference. And you did that. You removed the interference. You are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. I am so happy for you. Bravo. Thank you for sharing that and inspiring me and everybody else listening today. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast, a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening from today, please pause and do so right now. It really helps and maybe I'll read your review and your victory on the next episode. We are winding down our seven-day keto challenge. It has been absolutely incredible. There's still three days left and you could watch the replays until the last day, or if you upgrade to VIP, you could have the replays forever. So if you haven't signed up yet, you still have time. Go to ketocampchallenge.com, camp with the K, ketocampchallenge.com. Today, we are doing a great session with um, some inspiring stories on keto transformations. And then tomorrow, we have Cynthia Thurlow. And Monday, we wrap it up with a two-hour live stream on keto flexing. It's free. Go to ketocampchallenge.com. Okay, let's have an incredible conversation with Andy Mant. Andy Mant is the founder of Bond Charge, formerly called Blue Blocks, a science-backed light management company. From just a $1,500 investment, Andy started Blue Blocks in 2017 and has quickly grown Blue Blocks, now Bond Charge, to an eight-figure business in just three years. He was born in England. He moved to Australia. You'll hear all about his story. He has incredible research on how junk light and red light therapy and circadian rhythm impacts your health, your relationships, and longevity. Here's Andy Mant. All right, I'm here with Andy Mant. Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, my friend. Hey, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. You're actually um, in Spain, you said. You're traveling, and you got quite the setup. Let's start with that right now because what do you do to protect yourself when you're traveling? What do you got going on here if you're not watching on YouTube? I see red lights, I see glasses. So explain your setup. 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, I've, I've traveled all the way from Australia, so I had to manage jet lag as well. So um, luckily, I've, I've studied that a little bit. So I understand what to do to, to be able to beat that as well. That's probably a whole other question that um, yes. needs to be quite in depth. But yeah, it's, it's past sunset here now. So I've I've enjoyed the sunset here in Spain. I was watching that with with my bare eyes to get the, um, the beautiful frequencies of light to help entrain my circadian rhythm to tell me, you know, bedtime's approaching. Let's let's release some melatonin. Let's let's dial down on the cortisol. Nature's great at doing that, um, and we can go into more detail on that a, a bit later. But in the environment now is I, I want to mirror like what my ancestors would have seen because I don't want to disrupt my circadian rhythm with blue light. So I've reduced all the blue light coming out of my computer, which I'm speaking to you on now. I've got my blue light blocking glasses on that are blocking all the light that's in the blue and the green range up to 550 nanometers, which the science is saying I need to block. And I've also got this um, amazing little red light lamp here that's giving off pure 630 nanometer red light, which is um, both therapeutic and, and also the type of light that's that's really heavily entrenched in in firelight, um, so candlelight, things like that, that, that ancestral people would have would have lived under. So I'm kind of mimicking sitting by a campfire now, having a, a good sort of conversation with yourself, Ben. But technology's allowed us to to do this with you in the States and, and me in Spain. And yeah, I'm just kind of biohacking that space so I don't damage my health um, while speaking to you. And one other thing I'm doing as well is I'm, I've got long-sleeved clothing on here as well because I don't want blue light, any ambient blue light from outside coming in hitting my skin and sending mixed signals to my peripheral clock system. So trying to keep myself healthy whilst we have this incredible conversation. Yeah, you know, you said something interesting Interesting, right there is most people think it's just the eyes. You need to wear blue light blocking glasses and protect the eyes. But you said artificial light hitting your skin is also problematic. So get into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was only really until the end of 2017 that... People that were saying that, you know, that the um, opsins, which are the photoreceptors in the um, in the body, were only present in the eyes because it was only discovered at the end of 2017 that actually one of the opsins that's really pivotal in sensing blue light, especially at 485 nanometers, which is typically what most, um, unfortunately, digital devices and, and your house lights are emitting, was actually discovered in the subcutaneous fat, the brain and the skin. They were actually were doing an experiment um, to look at something completely different, and they found that when they were when they were shining light on on the skin and the fat cells, um, activity was occurring at um, the light that was around about 485 nanometers, which showed that something called melanopsin was actually present, which is your blue light photoreceptor. So there is arguments to say that you know you could be wearing blue light blocking glasses, but you're still got artificial light in your environment in the blue range after sunset, you could be dialing down the the, the production of melatonin um, and also sending mixed signals to different clock systems because you've got you've got one master clock system, right? Your central circadian rhythm located in the supercharismatic nucleus right in the brain. But you've also got every cell in your body has its own clock proteins, which then sync to this master clock system, which kind of is the conductor to the orchestra. But if one of the instruments isn't playing correctly, so if I'm having blue light on my skin, but I'm blocking it through the eyes, I'm going to have a, a, a really horrible symphony playing, which I, I don't want metabolically speaking. And, and part of that is looking at how light doesn't just influence you through the melanopsin receptors in your eyes, but also the skin. And, and um, I can link any of these studies that you want as well um, that we're talking about afterwards. So people can read a little bit more about this, because I know a lot of people will be thinking straight away, like, oh, this guy's crazy, sat in red light, but we're basing it all on science. And that's kind of 
where we've always come from, you know, part of my journey many years ago was always looking at the science, looking at the evidence and kind of tailoring it to, to fit my lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and it's based off of science. And for sure, I would like that to put in the notes, but also common sense. I mean, our ancestors didn't have all these this junk light, artificial light, the sun went down shortly thereafter, like they're next to a fire, and they're going to sleep really, really soon after that. And not saying to become a Luddite and avoid technology altogether, that would be probably a bad idea because it's such an amazing gift technology. You're in Spain, I'm in Miami. We're having an amazing conversation that's going to go across the world. That's technology. So we're not saying to become a Luddite. We're saying to become aware and do some things to protect yourself, protect your circadian rhythm, protect your hormones. And these are amazing tools that we have available to us. So before we dive into more of these tools and some of the cool things that you have been educating on, Andy, how did you even become the photobiomodulation guy, the lighting guy, the blue blocker guy? I mean, how did this manifest for you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it started started a long time ago. I'm British um, by origin. I moved to the moved to Australia, West Coast, in 2011, and I came over here in, in a pretty dire state. I was I was pretty overweight. I was I was eating the regular nonsense diets that the doctors always, you know, and, and the health nutritionists, people like that, tell you to do. You know, lower your fat, up your carbs. You know, make sure that. The, the cereals and the grains are at the bottom and, and your, your fats are right at the top of the pyramid and followed that and just became so ill. Like I, I was having like, I was in and out of hospital, like, you know, it might not have been dilated, but I'm sure it was, you know, things like appendicitis. I was having like injuries, like when I was trying to play sport, I couldn't keep the weight off, constant migraines, kidney stones, had those. I was eating a lot of, lot of plant-based food and, and that was Cause it might have been causing stones because um, it definitely wasn't the protein. So I was hardly eating that. It was just bread and nonsense. And then I, I was just, I was just like, enough's enough, man. I've got to like really sort this out. And I, back in the days of, of sort of early 2012, I decided to jump on forums and found like this ketogenic forum. And there was a guy on there, Luis Villasenor, who a lot of your followers um, will, will probably know, Keto Gains. And um, I just followed what he was saying for ages. And, and now we're really good friends, which is which is funny, and um, support each other's businesses and um, talk quite frequently, which is awesome. He, he wears the product, which is amazing now. And, and this guy just speaking so much sense. I was just like, this guy is so knowledgeable, putting a lot of like great content out there. And I just wanted to consume it. I wanted to read more and more and more. It was so evidence-based. So I started the, the ketogenic diet and, you know, quite quickly got into amazing shape. People were commenting like how amazing it was. I started weight training, all, the, all that good stuff. And it went really well for me. And, and I thought, you know, this is fantastic. If I can do this, what else can I, can I do? And I, and I was, you know, even when I cleaned up my diet, and went more ketogenic. I still found my sleep was suffering. I'd always been had issues since since I was about 14, since I started puberty with with sleep. And I was just like, well, if I can do this with diet, I feel this amazing. Let's look at these other pillars of health. Let's let, let's look at how I can improve my sleep. And then I stumbled across, you know, some people talking a, a little bit more about circadian rhythms. People like Bill Lagacost back in the day he was tweeting a lot about this stuff, and Jack Cruz and um, Rob Wolf and people like that were talking a little bit about the circadian rhythm health and. Menno Henselmans was even talking about it a little bit with, with regards to training and how different times of the day can influence hormones. And that really got me interested in, in circadian rhythms and started looking at it from a light perspective and how that can influence how our hormones and neurotransmitters 
are regulated throughout the day, how our cortisol level could be spiked with blue light, remain consistently high, how it can disrupt our sleep, blue light, how red light can actually heal and restore any of the damage that blue light's causing and, and so forth. But it was really the glasses that got me interested because I bought blue light glasses from Amazon, stuck them on, tracked my sleep through sleep trackers, and, and it did improve. But when I sort of dug a little bit deeper into the research, probably a bit like what you see in, in the ketogenic community, you know, you can have a poorly constructed ketogenic diet or a very intelligently constructed ketogenic diet. Both look very different um, from a longevity standpoint. Um, and the same was true, I found, with light. Like a lot of the glasses that I was trying from Amazon, eBay, the cheap ones, weren't blocking in line with what the literature was saying. There was a very distinct banding of light. And light with your community, we're after optimal, but not after suboptimal. You know, we, we go this journey to find what is the most optimal biohacks we can do, ketogenic diet being one of them, to really optimize our health and longevity. And, and finding these products didn't do what they said they'd do, I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to speak to some friends I had who worked in optics labs. We created these glasses. We sent them out to a few people that were already wearing blue light glasses, sent them the science and said, look, you know, carry on wearing your old ones if you want, but just try these for a week. Track it out on your sleep tracker. Here's the science behind it. And everyone came back when just saying we're, we're throwing out the rubbish we've been wearing like this is this is game-changing stuff so we just wanted to to bring evidence-backed products improve what was already out there but put put the science behind it and that really led me into this sort of educational standpoint where i didn't want to be like these other blue light glasses companies that were out there back in the day of just let's buy a few cheap pairs of glasses from a factory in asia and sell them and pretend you know they're going to do work i wanted to really put the work in like Luis had done with keto like you guys have done with with that sort of nutritional standpoint and really become that leader in, in that light space and we just developed more and more products from there on but yeah just really got me me interested in in really looking at all the different pillars of health and i've been looking at emf red light and blue light and, and trying to piece it all together from a biohacking standpoint so i know i've waffled on a bit there but that was kind of my journey um to where we are now yeah i love that it started with keto and that was way before the the keto craze and the popularity i discovered keto about a year after you 2013 or so so i've seen kind of like the ups and downs of keto and how, like you said, some people got it nailed correctly and they, they look at it as a metabolic process and they avoid the seed oils and they do things the right way. But the majority of people who teach keto and do keto, unfortunately, don't, don't do it from that lens. So I could appreciate what you said about uh, the companies that are creating these blue light blocking glasses and they're just kind of not doing it up to par with the science and maybe just cutting corners to make a profit. So I, I respect that you're not doing that. I respect that you're doing it the right way. And your your company was originally called Blue Blocks, which makes sense. You're blocking the blue light. Um, and it's now called Bond Charge. So what, is, what does Bond Charge mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, bon is, is a French word that means good. So we took that and it's, it's really, really good, positive word. And charge, English, is really about energy, you know, having the, the correct charge within our body, that sort of good negative ions negative charge that's really going to make us feel biologically the best we can so bond charge is good charge good energy which is what we envisage our products bringing to people really intensifying the feel good energy within them um from a biohacking standpoint and, and enabling them to leave a, you know lead a really positive life from, from a health and longevity standpoint so that's why we changed the name and you know 
blue blocks fitted perfectly for the blue light glasses when we first started out, but we've got like six pillars now of biohacking that products we've taken and, and put through R&D for, you know, it's about 18 months before we take a product to market of testing personally, testing in our lab, testing with third parties to make sure that they do what they say they do and, and researching the literature and, and everything to make sure they're actually, you know, doing the most optimal thing possible that they're meant to do based on the science that's available at the time and also not having you know having having the guts to change our products as well i mean when we first started out with blue light glasses for the first six months we hadn't come across the study that showed that there was this extra bit of light blocking that we needed to block so we actually changed our product and we announced that we changed that product we were like you, you know we have changed our product based on now new science coming available that's showing a different type of result. But because we've seen that it's been peer reviewed and tested and we've looked at it and it makes complete sense, we will always alter our products to keep up in line with science as well. And I think that's why we've grown so quickly because we're very honest about that. My stance has always been that education first as well. Like, you know, if, if anyone finds another company out there that does amazing products and they want to buy from them, it's no issue. I just want to provide people with the information to be able to understand light, photobiomodulation, all that kind of um, intelligence that they can take and empower themselves to be able to go and find the best setup for themselves as well. Because one setup for one person might not be, you know, the, the, the same setup for the next person. Yeah, I love that. I respect that a lot. And let's let's now focus the conversation we already started with sleep. Because as you know, Andy, it is the... Sleep is fundamental. It's it's the main thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and when you do that, keto, fasting, exercise, your supplements, I mean, everything upgrades when you get quality sleep. You're burning fat, you're detoxing, you're activating that glymphatic system. I mean, sleep is where it's at. And it's so important to get quality sleep. Studies show in healthy adults, after just seven days of not getting enough quality sleep, your blood sugars mimic that of somebody who's pre-diabetic. I mean, because cortisol is jacked up, glucose is going up and down. And if you want to really maximize your glucose and ketone levels and, and maximize your ketogenic lifestyle, sleep is where it's at. So let's talk about how getting the right light and some of the pitfalls with junk light affects sleep. Yeah, absolutely. So we all have a circadian rhythm, right? We all have a body clock in, in our brains. And that body clock's main environmental cue system for entrainment is light, okay? So how we evolved ancestrally was we would have risen with the sun rising. Maybe we would have got, we would have got up before the sunrise to start going out hunting. But there wouldn't have been any artificial blue light present or any blue light present. You know, we'd have had a little bit of dim light from the stars and the moon. But studies have shown that doesn't affect daily rhythms, monthly rhythms maybe, but not daily ones. So we would have seen that sunrise. That would have entrained our body clock. It would have stimulated cortisol production. It would have helped with the production of something in the gut called serotonin and something in the brain called dopamine, okay? And they're very important things. Dopamine's great, makes you feel good. Serotonin's fantastic, does something similar, but it's more important later on in the day, and I'll come to explain that in a little bit. But what our ancestors would have done is they would have been out during the day. Maybe they would have been hunting. Maybe they would have been chilling. Whatever it would have been, they would have been outside under natural light. Sunlight changes throughout the day, and it gives different light cues through the eyes, potentially through the skin as well from the studies we're seeing, which sends signals to this clock system to say, all right, this is the time of the day now. This is the season. 
this is what neurotransmitters I need to be releasing and suppressing and hormones vice versa. When the sun sets, most likely would have been outside as well. And that would have started a process where blue light becomes very intense just before sunset, starts a decrescendo effect in the brain, which starts to say, you know what? Daylight's starting to go now. We're going to start seeing reds and oranges from the sunset. If it's not visible, we're going to start seeing the reds and ambers from the, from the campfire. And that's the brain's cue to start reducing cortisol levels down and start producing something called melatonin, which is our sleep hormone, getting us in a relaxed state, getting us in that parasympathetic state, starting to release this incredibly powerful antioxidant ready for us to sleep. What we've done now in today's age is we've replaced seemingly harmless incandescent bulbs, which we used to have prior to the 90s, which didn't really admit much blue light, didn't have a lot of technology, maybe black and white TVs, maybe low-def TVs, not really producing huge amounts of light that's going to really hit the melatonin suppression hard. But we, we decided, oh, no, we don't want incandescent bulbs anymore. We need to create energy-efficient LEDs. So we did that. They stripped out the red, very um, energy-hungry frequency of light, filled it with blue light. Everything starts getting illuminated then after sunset. So our body and brain is seeing all this blue light coming through the eyes. The brain doesn't care if it comes from sunlight or artificial sources. It's sending messages to that clock system saying it's daytime. Keep your cortisol levels high, even though it's nighttime. You don't need melatonin. It's daytime. We're living in perpetual daylight. And then what we did is we've seen this massive advent and increase of technology, which has been fantastic, like we've touched on a couple of times. We're having this conversation. It's brilliant. But we've got laptops, we've got smartphones, high-definition TVs, our fridge lights, our appliances. It's all emitting blue light after sunset. It's all, always telling the brain that it's daytime, keep cortisol levels high, melatonin low. And it's all these little mini artificial suns that are in our environment now after sunset that are keeping us in perpetual daytime and telling our brain that we don't need to go to sleep. Now, there's two pathways to sleep. There is the buildup of something called adenosine, okay? Adenosine is a byproduct of adenosine triphosphate, so energy production. So you go throughout the day, you run metabolic processes, you're walking around talking, you're burning energy, and your byproduct is adenosine. It gets built up in the brain, and it builds up something called sleep pressure, where eventually you just have to go to sleep. You know, middle of the day or not, you will just go to sleep. The other side of the coin is, is the circadian pathway to sleep. And that's with the, with the correct circadian rhythm. So blue light during the day is fine, as long as you've got red light balancing it out. After dark, you don't want to have any blue light present to get a good regulation of melatonin. You can't have quality sleep without having both of those pathways to sleep. Because if you fall asleep with the sleep pressure technique um, for, for the pathway, you're going to sleep, but your sleep quality is going to be very poor. You're not going to get good REM sleep. You're not going to get good deep sleep. If you have a good, um, if you're wearing blue light blocking glasses and you're getting the circadian pathway correct, but you're drinking something that's going to impair the adenosine receptors, such as caffeine, you're not going to have good sleep. So you need both. So melatonin is a really, really powerful antioxidant, and you can only produce it optimally in the absence of blue and green light between 400 and 550 nanometers hence why I'm blocking those frequencies right now. 
So if you want good restorative sleep where you're clearing out all the debris, you're going through your apoptosis, your autophagy, you need melatonin levels to be high. And the only reason, only way you can do that is by blocking the blue and green light because tryptophan mixes with serotonin, which then produces melatonin. But that, that reaction can only happen optimally in the absence of blue and green light. So those two pathways to sleep are super important. If you want good sleep quality from your deep and REM sleep and good sleep quantity, because a lot of people will say, well, I just fall asleep anyway, watching the TV. It's all good. But what you don't know is that the long-term damage that's going to have on you in the future. It's like you can have a crappy diet now. And as I learned, you know, from 14 to, you know, 26, I ate nothing but junk and I was fine for the majority of it until I wasn't. So you've got to be very careful with, oh, I'm fine now, it's all good, it's all good. So there was a really interesting point you made about lack of sleep really messing up your blood sugar levels. And another study which I'll send you, I'm going to have to write these down so I can remember because there's so many. There was one that showed that even when you're asleep, if you have ambient blue light in your room, so say you've got light coming from street lamps, from your neighbor's light, from your phone appliances inside, maybe a car headlight, even when you're sleeping, with that light hitting your eyes or passing through your skin can actually make you more insulin resistant and actually increase blood sugar levels whilst you sleep. It's absolutely fascinating what light can do. And that's independent of whatever diet they have, they're, they're, they're doing, whether it's high carb, vegan, carnivore, keto, whatever it may be, their blood sugar levels were rising just by ambient blue light in their room at night. So it's, it's a really powerful thing. And you know, just to deviate slightly, there's a circadian rhythm regulation when it comes to how you eat and when you eat as well. And this has been shown quite extensively in the literature. And again, going back to Bill Lagacos and his sharing of, of studies on, on this subject, he shares it quite extensively, that there's certain times of the day when you metabolize food differently. If you were to eat, say, a high-carbohydrate meal, you would not want to eat that in the evening because you would more likely store that from a circadian standpoint as body fat. Whereas if you eat that high carb meal in the middle of the day, when the sun is overhead, when it's the UV light is at the highest, you find you metabolize that carbohydrate meal a lot better earlier in the day if you were to have it, which is, which is absolutely fascinating. And then there's meal size as well, which is, seems to be regulating circadian rhythms. And there's a really old adage that says, you know, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper. And when you look at it from a, from a circadian study standpoint, your gut is primed to process fats and proteins and carbohydrates so much more efficiently from a ghrelin, leptin, neuropeptide standpoint at the beginning of the day rather than in the evening. And that makes complete sense because serotonin in the gut is needed to produce melatonin. So if you're digesting food in the, in the evening, you're going to be interfering with melatonin production. So if you want to do like intermittent fasting, a lot of people do it where they have their last meal in the evening. You probably want to flip that from a circadian standpoint, eat all your food up to say midday, and then fast through to the next morning. And you're going to have the amazing benefits of calorie restriction from intermittent fasting, more autophagy apoptosis because you're fasting, longevity, um, but also you're going to keep your circadian rhythm in really good nick as well because you're doing it from a circadian biological standpoint as well. So it's so many things. I, we could talk for days on this stuff, but just to snip it from there, that you know, blood glucose levels, insulin resistance can be affected and also circadian timing of food as well. And 
ensuring that you've got both pathways to sleep down pat to really get that good quality um, sleep rather than just I sleep, it's cool. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. I love that. You're speaking my language, Andy. I want to see that study too about the artificial light and increased blood sugar levels. I always say structure trumps intention. You can have all the best intentions in the world, but if you don't have the structure in place, it's going to be very difficult to get the amazing keto and fasting results that you want. If you are on the go traveling and you don't want to think about what can you eat to help you feel satisfied and to help you continue getting results on your keto journey, for me, my structure when I'm on the go, when I'm traveling, and when I want to have something nearby that's a healthy snack, my go-to is Paleo Valley's Beef Sticks. Paleo Valley beef sticks are the perfect gut-friendly, clean protein snack for on the go. And if you have children, this is one of the best things to give your kids. These beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and finished by farmers right here in the United States. They contain naturally occurring probiotics, which helps increase the diversity in your gut. It contains organic spices. It has high concentrations of omega-3 fatty acids elevated levels of conjugated linoleic acid, which we know is an antioxidant and also could enhance your body's ability to burn fat. It contains vitamins and minerals, elevated concentrations of glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant, and it's good for the environment. They have flavors that range from original to garlic summer sausage, regular summer sausage, jalapeno, teriyaki, and they also have turkey sticks available as well. They taste so good that I usually go through three or four, and I think I might set the record for eating almost 10 Paleo Valley beef sticks. Maybe somebody out there has eaten more than me in one sitting. You know, me and my fiance, Natasia, we're always fighting over these beef sticks in our house. We go into the pantry, and I hear her unwrapping it, and I'm like, hey, are you eating one of my beef sticks? <laughs> they are delicious, and since you are a avid listener of the Keto Camp podcast, we worked out an exclusive deal for you to get 15% off your entire order of Paleo Valley products. All you need to do is head to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code KETOCAMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. That is KETOCAMP15 at checkout. We'll also drop a link down below in the show notes. I, uh, of course, do what you do, and my room is pitch black. You also have your cool blackout mask, but even with that, like if your skin is exposed to light in the room, that still could be problematic. So darkening that room is key. Um, when I'm traveling, like I was just in New York City speaking at a conference, and the room that I was in had some light, and it was driving me crazy. I'm like putting like sheets over this and unplugging the alarm clock and but this makes a big difference. And I personally see it with my aura ring score. So that's number one, dark room, as dark as possible and cold room. You also mentioned the circadian rhythm in terms of uh, how we digest food better earlier in the day. And this is something that, I mean, if, if, if you would have asked me two or three years ago, what's the optimal fasting schedule? I would have said skip breakfast and have you know lunch and dinner, but you know an early dinner. I never would say eat before bed. But you know, to your point, a lot of research has come out on early time restricted feeding and the benefits of that. One of the studies that stands out to me came from a University of um, Alabama, Birmingham University, Courtney, Dr. Courtney Peterson. She did a study on taking two test groups. One test group, they both did intermittent fasting and time restricted feeding, but one did 
they first had their meals in the afternoon and kind of had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but later on in the day versus the other test group that did the same fasting schedule, but ate early and 8 a.m. to 2 or 3 p.m. window. And she saw not just benefits with weight loss and insulin sensitivity, but after four days, the study showed that there was an increase of the SIR2 and 1 gene, that longevity gene that you know protects your, your uh, telomeres. It increased by 10%. And after just four days of eating breakfast and early, eating earlier in the day, and they also measured autophagy via the LC3A protein, and they showed a 22% increase in autophagy just after four days of eating a bigger breakfast, done eating by 3 p.m. And that's just one study. You reference another person. There's so many studies out there. But this is challenging to me, Andy, because I feel so good when I'm fasted, I'm more productive, and I like to get things done and then eat. So I've been you know, sprinkling big breakfasts and we're kind of doing a challenge in my academy membership. But do you struggle with having more of a bigger breakfast yourself? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely am more focused when I'm fasted. So it is, it is a difficult one. It's, it almost goes against sort of everything you think. You know, you, you know, bre- breakfast is break fast, break your fast after you're sleeping and you want to be like, you know, eating and really doing it from a cane standpoint. But yeah, like, like you say, it's, it, I can feel sluggish after a big breakfast. But what I, what I find is a good workaround for myself is, is, is walking after a, a big breakfast. So have your breakfast and walk out in sunlight which, which is fantastic. And that same study that, that I'm going to send you, which shows the, the melanopsin in the um, skin, it was more looking at weight loss in respect to sunlight. So people that went out and were eating under sunlight in the mornings were experiencing more weight loss than those that were eating under blue light, say, in, in, inside, which is really fascinating. But, you know, walking, exercising, cardiovascular exercise seems to be, from what we've seen, more favored for the morning in humans from a circadian standpoint, weight training more in the afternoons, which which is interesting. So typically, I would say, have your big breakfast in the morning, go for a nice stroll in the sun, little on as possible without freaking out the neighbors. And then I think you should be okay, but it's just getting used to. But you know, you can only this is what, what I always say is like, there's so many, you know, studies out there that show the right thing to do. But there's also the always the n equals one side of things as well. Like there's studies out there that sh- that show the ketogenic diet's fantastic. There's ones that show carnivores fantastic. There'll be ones that show, dare to say, veganism. You know, for some people might be. I don't know. But it, I'm sure there's one or two people out there that it works for. But you know, you've got to listen to your own body. And and I dived really deep into my DNA a couple of years ago with a really cool guy in the US, Corey Duffy, does all the training for the testing and diet and nutrition for the Navy SEALs, champion UFC fighters. And I got intro to him by Chris Gethin, who's, who's a good friend of ours. And we took a real deep dive into my DNA. And I was obviously following ketogenic diet. It's a little bit more targeted now, a little, few more carbohydrates around training, but still, in essence, more ketogenic when it comes to on the higher protein side with, with more sort of, sorry, less fats than a bit more protein but we took a deep dive in and, and during my keto journey i was eating a lot of a lot of red meat eating a lot of cheese you know things like that i wasn't particularly too well constructed from from that standpoint but we we looked at my dna and found out that on the on my side it's a like very susceptible gene mutation in apoe4 which i'd obviously picked up hereditary 
And, you know, there, there's studies out there that show, you know, that meat is bad for that, but there's also ones that show potentially it's more than refined grains and carbohydrates. So I'm glad I cut that out. But when we looked at some, took more deep dive into some of the other gene expressions that I was seeing and um, that he was seeing, there was a lot more positive argument for my diet being a lot higher in mono and polyunsaturated fats. Um, so, you know, th I'd, I'd be thriving off fish, nuts, you know, avocados, things like that, as, as opposed to packing my diet too, too full in red meat. And it was quite an interesting one because I love red meat and, and cheese and things like that. It's a, it's a real weakness for me. But when I switched over to a diet, and again, well-constructed when it came to, to fish and nuts, and when I say well-constructed, con looking at more micronutrient ratios as opposed to worrying about mercury content of, of fish, I felt a lot better. I felt a lot more focused. I felt a lot more, I felt lighter. I felt like I was digesting it a lot better. And I really struggled on the red meat side from digestion because I, I went back to, to eat it for a bit and I just felt heavy, sluggish. Toilet bathroom wasn't as great, whereas the fish seemed to work better for me. And this is my roundabout way of saying, you know, you can look at these biohacks, but you've got to look at them from that N equals one standpoint as well. And what's going to work better for you? You know, amber light might be better for someone or red light in the evening, but fun the fundamentals should still apply. You know, ketogenic dieting works better for me, but my ketogenic diet is going to look a lot different from yours and from the next person's, but ultimately it would still, I guess, follow that kind of pattern, but just that micro level um, turned up or turned down depending on your DNA, your history, your ancestry. Um, and the same can be true for, I, I think, in, in some degree with, with biohacking as well. Yeah, well said. It's important to state that because, yeah, these studies could show uh, all these amazing results, but it's going to come down to your unique, uh, your biochemical unique needs and a couple of great tools to get to fine tune to see if it's working for you or against you would be an aura ring uh, or some sort of like quality sleep tracker. It could be the Whoop Band or, or whatever Garmin, but I like the aura ring. You could look at your HRV, deep sleep, REM sleep, and uh, resting heart rate, body temperature. And uh, a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, like you get those two tools and you could really fine tune some things to see what's going on. I know personally for me, Andy, when I do strict carnivore, I feel so good. I feel incredible. And my aura ring scores are, are amazing. Like my HRV increases, my resting heart rate decreases, my body temperature decreases overnight. I get more deep sleep, more REM sleep, but then I add some vegetables into the mix and things get a little wonky for me. So I see that and I, it's not that I want to do carnivore for the rest of my life. So now it's kind of like cyclical carnivore, just like I do cyclical keto, but the aura ring based off of how I feel and what I see is giving me that feedback to kind of fine tune that. What sleep tracker do you use, Andy? Yeah, I've used an aura ring. They, they sent me one and about maybe four years ago so it's, it's a little bit old now and so yeah no I, I i like to track through that and i probably need to get an upgrade i probably actually need to message them and uh, yeah get a new uh, one see if they can sort me out with the deal because <laughs> they're not cheap so yeah and no, i use that and um yeah I, I think it's great to, to monitor i think um you've got to look at something as well I, I read an article on it a while ago it's really interesting like orthosomnia right which is this obsession with tracking your sleep metrics using technology can actually lead to poorer sleep. 
so they were doing like studies on that yeah. so not saying like not saying don't use it because i think data is key right but there's always there's always something that comes out that says like well actually by wearing this like it's not that great i could see that dude i could totally see that people obsessing over their scores and you know it's one thing to get the data which is amazing like aura ring gives you such incredible data but also how do you feel like are you going to let the ring tell you how you should feel today or if you wake up feeling damn refreshed and like you got a good night of sleep but the scores aren't that great is that going to change everything for you i mean it shouldn't you should really listen to your body and then use this kind of as a guide right to your point you don't want to go crazy over that i want to close the loop on sleep and i want you to do your best right here maybe we'll take this as a clip and share it on social media i want you to do your best to inspire people to stop eating before bed. What are the problems health-wise when you eat before you go to sleep? Yeah, you're going to reduce the amount of melatonin production in your body. And that's bad because melatonin is the most powerful antioxidant. Melatonin, like you can, you can eat all the blueberries you want in the world, right? When they react to clear out reactive oxygen species, the byproduct of that, ironically, is oxygen. There's one antioxidant that does not have a byproduct of oxygen when it reacts with reactive oxygen species and free radicals, and it's melatonin. The less of that you have, the more issues you're going to have. The less melatonin you have, the less sleep hormone you're going to have, the less REM sleep you're going to get, the less deep sleep you're going to get. So your memory storage is going to be shot to bits. Your deep sleep for recovery, you're going to have less apoptosis, and you're going to have less autophagy. So you're not going to recover, you're not going to feel your best. And also, if you're going to have blue light in the evenings and in and around your environment, Number one, you're not going to sleep the greatest, but two, you're going to be jacking up your blood sugar levels and you're going to be also impacting your insulin resistance as well in a negative way. So that would be my two cents on it. That's a lot of bad things we don't want. And to your point, Andy, melatonin is much more than just a sleep hormone or antioxidant. It is the, one of the most important, powerful antioxidants for the mitochondria as you know, there's only a couple of antioxidants that could actually penetrate the mitochondrial membrane. One of them is melatonin. It's a, it's a really a miracle molecule. My friend, Dr. John Laurence wrote a whole book called Miracle Molecule Melatonin. And it's so true. It's so important. We lose melatonin as we age. Coincidentally, we lose mitochondria as we age. I wonder if there's a link there. I'm sure there is. But also every cell that has a mitochondria produces melatonin. And it's mostly produced in the gut, to your point, not just the pineal gland. It is important. And just to, you know, you gave the science. I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back. Just common sense. We know how much energy it takes to process a meal, right? For example, you feasted at a Thanksgiving dinner or some sort of holiday. You're not going to have energy after you eat a big meal. The first thing you want to do is sit down and watch some TV. You know, it takes a lot of energy from you. So if you know, eating food and digesting takes a lot of energy and resources and you eat and go to bed, a lot of those resources naturally are going to be used for digestion versus all those amazing processes you just spoke about. Burning fat, lymphatic system, detoxification, liver recycling bile, REM sleep, uh, memory processing. So it's just going to be used for digestion versus healing your body. It doesn't make sense. I don't think there's one respected health expert in the entire world that will say it's okay to eat before bed. I think that's something we could kind of agree to universally. I've never seen somebody say it's okay to do that. Have you seen that? No, absolutely not. I think I, the only one is the bro science in the bodybuilding world when they... You know, yeah, I don't really care. I said respected, Andy, respected. 
<laughs> exactly. And then you know what? Like in the keto community, you guys have got it the worst because if you're having a meal before bed, it's typically going to be higher in fat. And what takes the longest to digest fat? So, you know, you're going to have even longer periods of, of none of that good stuff. So got to be careful with that one. Yeah. So rule, rule of thumb, you know, minimum should be three hours of fasting before bed. Now, that's like the minimum. If you could go five hours, six hours, even better. I know this, the earlier in the day that I'm done eating, the better my scores are for sleep. I mean, I correlate that every single time and the better I feel in the morning. So my HRV goes up and all these things improve the earlier I eat in the day personally. Now, I understand it's not realistic. I was just in New York City and I had meals at 10 p.m., which threw me off, but that's the exception to the rule. The most of the time you want to really be really good here, but I understand there's exceptions, there's social life, but most of the nights you want to be able to do this. Not to mention one more thing on this, there's a, a melatonin receptor site, MTNR1B, which um, you mentioned it earlier, melatonin and um, insulin kind of have this inverted relationship. So when you eat food before bed, you raise glucose, even if it's keto, you're going to raise glucose. But if it's not keto, you're really going to raise glucose. But you also have melatonin being produced and melatonin shuts down insulin production. So then you have a high glucose all night, and then a sharp drop and then you wake up wired and tired. Another reason why you don't want to eat before bed. Completely agree. Yeah, abs absolutely. There is there is a very close link. And, you know, it's been well documented. So absolutely. I mean, you know, ideally, if you can eat like, you know, like you said, like stop eating three hours before bed. There's, there's absolutely no need to eat that close to bed anyway. You know, you just have have your dinner like, you know, 6 p.m. And, and 7 p.m. and get to bed 9, 10 o'clock. And, you know, it's really interesting as well. Like this will help people as well kind of understand it. Like it's all, all this circadian rhythm and sleep, it's all tied to everything, right? And there's like lots of studies that show it from a reproductive standpoint as well. So they, they have this study for, for men so i'll go into the men's side of things that showed that men that went to bed after 11 o'clock at night versus those that went to bed before 11 p.m at night those that went to bed later had more anti-sperm antibodies in their blood so they were producing less sperm to, to reproduce um so nature wants you to go to bed earlier okay yeah. from a circadian yeah. rhythm standpoint that yeah, makes sense for reproductive purposes, we need to go to bed early. There you go, guys. Like, yeah, if you want uh, good swimmers, then go to bed early, um, and then everyone. Yeah, that, so. I mean that's a really that's a really good piece of information because if somebody who's listening or watching is either the the man who might be having fertility issues with your wife, or it's the wife who has the husband who has having fertility issues, and they're going to bed late, maybe making this switch could actually help you conceive. So it's a pretty good bit of information. I, I've never heard that before. Yeah, no, it's, uh, we'll, we'll link that one as well. Just uh, I'll send you that study too. Great, fertility. Okay, so next thing I want to talk about, we, we, I asked you this question before I hit record, but we're going to ask it now as we're on the, the actual interview. Skin cancer, right? It's through the roofs, not just in America, but across the world. Cancer in general, but skin cancer. What do you think is causing the skin cancer? There's one camp that thinks it's it's this the people who wear sunglasses all day and this this trick kind of trick in the body. There's not enough melanin being produced. The skin is getting damaged. But you also mentioned before that it might be something else. So what are your thoughts? Let's let's kind of get into both of those theories, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just give the uh, the the FDA TGA. This does not constitute medical advice to satisfy those guys. <laughs> but um, yeah, when you're looking at when you're looking at things from a circadian standpoint, especially what you just mentioned, there's a couple of camps that really talk 
it's very similarly, but but it's all in relation to light, but but still quite different. And one side is saying that, you know, we we detect ultraviolet light via the presence of visible blue light. Our body can't detect it any other way. Like you wouldn't know, you couldn't walk into a room and say, oh, look at all this UV light, it's everywhere. Like you, you just can't, you can't detect it. So the way the body or the way the, the I guess the receptors um, in our body recognizes ultraviolet light is, is from blue light because it's typically present outside during the day when, when the sun is shining. So that ancestrally is how we've evolved to understand our environment. The cues from the environment come in through light and it's, oh, blue light's present, must be daytime. UV will obviously be present because it's not present after dark. Let's release an antagonist to ultraviolet light, which is cortisol, which can help protect us against the dangers and the damages that UV light is potentially causing if we're overexposed to it. Um, because you know, UV light's fantastic, synthesizes with cholesterol, forms vitamin D, vitamin D levels go up, all cause mortality goes down. Fact. Now, if you're wearing sunscreen or if you're wearing sunglasses, there is potential cause for concern because you're no longer sending messages from the raw sunlight to your body. Your skin receptors are covered. The receptors, the opsins in the eyes are covered or the type of light that's coming through the sunglasses is being filtered. So it's not natural sunlight. It's filtered. It's junk light, which is telling our brain, um, you know, maybe it's the beginning of the day. Maybe it's later on in the day. Blue light's not not hugely present here now. UV light's probably not that much of an issue. So let's not bother too much with the cortisol production. And then UV light goes to town and over time you'll, you'll develop you know, anomalies to, to skin cells. That's one side of the camp. So, you know, sunglasses, sunscreen are causing skin cancers and things like that because we're messing around with, with the light. We're creating our own junk light by filtering it. Sitting by a window as well, one of the worst things you can do because it's filtering the light, um, which, which isn't good for your health. Yeah, right. So you said, so that, let, let's just make sure the audience understands that. If you're getting sunlight through a glass, it is not the same thing as getting sunlight without the glass and being outside. Yeah. Yeah. One of the worst things you can be doing for, for yourself, you're, you know, you're blocking certain frequencies of UV, letting other frequencies of it through. You're not getting UV as a package. You're getting filtered UV light, which is, in, in my opinion, incredibly bad. And I've seen some some um, images of truck drivers that constantly get on their either you know left left side of their face sunshine through the the glass window driving on the highways, and they get they get cancer in that area. It's, it's super fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and mainstream will will say to, to to you that that's because it's just sunlight, and they're not getting it that side. And it's like you know potentially it could be, but you know it's because it's filtered. It's filtered light. You need to down the window a crack and let some natural light in and it's just really interesting because like you know i'm from australia we have the highest or some of the highest skin cancer rates in the world and sunscreen use is is huge in in australia sunglasses use huge in australia people wearing them all the time so why have we got such high levels of it if that's the the cause you can also see there's there's also other studies that i've read that show that people in very northern latitude areas like scandinavia and germany and Denmark, places like that have got really incredible high rates of skin cancer, yet, yet their UV light 
levels are some of the lowest in the world because the higher up you go, the less the UV light is and the more fish they eat because they're not getting the DHA from the UV light that typically people will get from equatorial areas. So yeah, that's, that's all very interesting stuff. And the other side of the coin is that, you know, potentially it's been shown in studies, again, I can send this, that the um, skin cells have their own body clock. So as I mentioned earlier, you've got all these peripheral clock systems throughout the body and the skin actually has a very large clock system. It's in, it's, it's in the whole skin. They've shown this in the lab by shining blue light on skin cells and watching them change and react and, and do whatever they do. Now, during the day, skin cells behave very differently to after dark. And you can see this in this study in the lab where when they shone blue light on, skin cells became active. When they took the blue light off, the skin cells went into recovery mode. So they went into this repair and restore mode, which makes complete sense because you remove the blue light, melatonin levels increase, autophagy apoptosis starts to increase. We go to sleep, which where growth and repair happens. Now, the other side of the coin says that we're getting the UV light on our skin during the day. Some damage is occurring, much like with blue light. You know, blue light during the day will cause skin, skin damage, accelerate aging. We've seen studies, ocular damage to the eye, digital eye strain, those kind of things. It's the red light that actually restores that, by the way, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, I want to get to that next. That's interesting, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what they're saying is because we're, coming, we're, we're getting the damage from the sun during the day from the UV light is what I'm trying to say, but because we're coming home after a day in the beach or being outside and switching on all of our lights or using our devices, our skin is then saying, oh, it's still, it's still daytime. I don't need to do any repair. Like we're constantly in daytime. Let's keep that active mode going on. So we're not giving our skin a chance to repair itself. And then we go to bed in the evening with lights in our room or ambient light everywhere. Our skin still doesn't think it's the, the nighttime, so it can't, it can't heal itself. And then over time, we all know what happens if you're not getting adequate apoptosis and autophagy is you're going to get skin cell or cellular mutations, which in this case could be personified as, as melanomas. Oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah, either way, <laughs> we don't want any of that going on. Hey, Keto Camper, there's a simple tip that I teach to my students inside of my Keto Camp Academy that really helps them on their journey in the great land of ketosis. Now, a lot of people who do keto, they tend to struggle because they are missing this simple little tip. And that is the importance of replenishing your electrolytes, especially when you lower your carbohydrate intake, like ketosis, you're going to lose a lot of extra water weight. That's a good thing. You're going to look lighter. You're going to feel lighter. But the kidneys go through this diuresis process and you do release electrolytes as well. That's why so many people do keto, but they have unpredictable mood swings, energy crashes, they feel exhausted, and they're wondering, why am I not getting all those amazing benefits everybody speaks about with keto? The simple fix, use a high-quality electrolyte. The one that I use, the one that I love, is Upgraded Charge from Upgraded Formulas. I love them because it's a unique proprietary absorption method with nanoparticles, and it has a 99.99% absorption rate. This is maximum bioavailability. Upgraded Charge includes upgraded magnesium, upgraded zinc, upgraded sodium, potassium, and it tastes freaking awesome. It actually tastes like a non-alcoholic margarita. The flavor comes from a natural lime peel. 
take upgraded charge during your intermittent fast throughout your day, replenish those electrolytes, and you're going to notice a difference in your energy, your mood, and you're going to really maximize the incredible benefits of ketosis. Upgraded Formulas has given you a 15% off coupon code for being a valuable listener of the Keto Camp Podcast. That is awesome. They're awesome. If you head to upgradedformulas.com and use the coupon code KK15 at checkout, you can get 15% off their upgraded charge and anything else you add to your cart. That is upgradedformulas.com. Use the coupon code KK15 at checkout. I will also drop a link for you down below in the notes. You mentioned red light, red light therapy, aka photobiomodulation. There's a lot of studies out there on the benefits of it. This is something that I use every day. Every morning I come into my office here and I turn on the red light panels. And what's interesting, Andy, is that our pets, we have two cats and a dog. They wait in my office. Well, the cats do, the dog not so much, but the two cats wait in my office for us to turn on the red light panel. Like they're waiting for it. Like they know healing is occurring with the red light panel. They like lay in front of it. They love it. I love it. Um, I actually have, for those watching on YouTube, your product right here, which uh, uh, you were grace, gracefully uh, graceful by sending it to me. The one that I have is called, the, is this the Demi right here? That's correct. Yes. Half body panel. So I'm going to turn it on now. Should I leave my blue light blocking glasses on or should I take them off when I turn this on? Um, I think you can leave them on. I think it'd be cool. I don't think it matters either way. Yeah, it won't, won't block any of the red. So, <laughs> okay, perfect. So I'm going to turn this on. I'll do five minutes here, and we'll have this conversation as you uh, explain what are the benefits of red light therapy here. Oh, there's countless. Um, it's the most um, studied type of light. So there's four thousand plus peer-reviewed studies. There's about two hundred and fifty of the like gold standard. You know, double-blind placebo control trials like you know clinical settings like the gold standard which is fantastic and it's been shown to accelerate fat loss boost collagen reduce aging muscle recovery arthritis um, as long as it's mild and medically diagnosed you know it helps with sleep like the list psoriasis eczema the, the list is endless right so there's studies on all of these and i've written specific articles on our website people can check out if they want more information on on, on literally each one and you know, there's one really fascinating study when it came to weight loss that they stuck a group of people on treadmills, exercising them for weight loss, and they shone red light um, at 660, sorry, 630 nanometers and near infrared light at 850 nanometers, which is what's in that device you're using now, onto one of the groups. And there was a 10% increase in weight loss, in fat loss from the people that had red light therapy shining on them doing the same cardiovascular exercise on the treadmill is that because what's the mechanism there is it because this is creating mitogenesis and the more mitochondria you produce the more heat the more your metabolic rate do you think that's what's happening yeah i think i think that has a part to do with it and i, I can explain how red light therapy works because no one really explains it and the reason being is it's so bloody complicated <laughs> to explain i mean just the term photobiomodulation people are like what what is that i know <laughs> So difficult. So look, I'll, I'll try and explain it the best I can. And I think people will get it right. But um, your, your audience is obviously intelligent. They can think for themselves. That's why they listen to your show. So the way it works is it all comes down to something called electron chain transport. Okay, The mechanism by which we produce ATP. So your adenosine triphosphate, your energy output system, your, your creation system. And the way that it works is that 
to create efficient ATP and be more efficient from an energy standpoint, we need to have more oxygen present at the fourth phase for it to react with cytochrome C oxidase and produce more efficient energy. And when you produce more efficient energy, you can heal faster, you can speed up metabolic processes, you can just biologically be much more of a well-oiled machine. Just think of it as pumping you know, real premium gas into your sports car rather than the basic unleaded stuff. You're going to be like running on, you know, essentially ketones, I guess, like they're, they're the optimal uh, optimal fuel source. But that's that's what you need to do. You need to free up more oxygen at that fourth phase. Now, it just so happens that in the electron chain transport, you get a buildup of nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is fantastic, right? We need we do need it in our biological system, but we don't want it in huge quantities at that fourth phase because it's taking oxygen from the reaction with cytochrome C oxidase. Now, when you use red light, specifically at 630 nanometers, it seems, from these studies, and infrared light at 850 nanometers, the near-infrared light, it seems to have a reaction with nitric oxide in that specific mitochondrial process where it's producing the ATP, which frees up more oxygen by reacting with nitric oxide at that fourth phase to produce more ATP and produce it more efficiently, which then boosts metabolic processes within that region. So if you want to boost collagen and you're shining it on your face, you'll find that you'll start producing more collagen when you're using red light therapy because you're becoming more energy efficient in that area. When you start shining it on muscles that are injured, you'll start to see more energy produced in that region to start repairing the cells, okay? You're going to start hitting more and producing more fibroblasts, which will then produce more collagen in that area, heal ligament damage, things like that, muscular. Then you've got to split it down. So now you sort of understand how it, I guess it works from a very, very basic level, is that when you want to look at what you want to use it for, you've got to, you've got to understand that red light penetrates a lot shallower than near-infrared light. So both work exactly the same way, it seems, from a mitochondrial standpoint. But red light in isolation, visible red light, won't help you with muscular recovery because it won't penetrate deep enough. It will help you with acne, with wrinkles, fine lines, boosting collagen in the skin. It will help with scar reduction, wound healing, things like that. But if you want to then penetrate the muscles or the bones, you have to use the infrared light because it penetrates deeper to be able to create and stimulate more energy within those areas. So that's basically how it works in a nutshell. Yeah, well said. And, and this device has both the red light, it says red, and then also near infrared. So there's ways to toggle this. Let me ask you this question. For those who end up getting a red light machine, what's the optimal usage? From my understanding, and you could correct me because you're the expert, my understanding is 10 inches away, 10 minutes, twice a day. Um, tell me, give me some feedback on that. Yeah, yeah, spot on. It's, it's something you need to be doing every day, right? It's, it's again, I like to use the analogies that perhaps your audience would understand a bit more, which is like ketogenic dieting. You're not going to get into ketosis by having one keto meal. You know, you've got to be doing it consistently. The same is true with, with red light therapy, right? You, you can't just have one session and go, you know, where, why are my wrinkles still here? Or why am I still injured? You know, you've got to consistently be doing it. So you're right, you know, 10 minutes a day, 10 inches away is pretty good. You can get closer if you want to. 
if you start pulling back any further than that, you're going to be reducing something called a radiance, which is the power output of that unit, which is measured in megawatts um, per centimeter squared. And you've always got to be making sure that you're getting clinical medical grade treatments, which is normally over 100 megawatts per centimeter squared. And typically any further back than 10 inches, you're going to be reducing that, which basically means you just have to spend longer in front of it. So if you want to stand like a foot away, you might need half an hour rather than um, rather than 10 minutes. And if you're in recovery, if you've got, you know, you're looking for pain relief, maybe you're looking for, you know, a gym injury or, or training injury or something like that, or, you know, just sore muscles, you know, you can use it two or three times a day as well, or, you know, at least two or three times a week. I mean, I, I try to use it every day where I can. I have my portable one that's, that's with me here, um, which I'll use. And you just got to make sure you do it consistently. Now, it's also very important to know that this is not also not a quick fix. You know, some people will see results in a few weeks. Others might take a few months. You just got to consistently do it in that area. And you can get like small handheld panels, little ones, spot treatments, all the way up to these like mega full body panels that you can just stand in front of and really, you know, boost whatever you want to be boosting and, and just optimizing yourself. Like it's so amazing how light does this. It's absolutely incredible. And it's, I'm so glad that red light is really gaining more popularity um in, in the biohacking and, and wellness and, and the alternative um health space that, that you guys are in because it's just such a powerful thing to do and it's so easy just literally like you just did it then like you weren't even you know probably not even cognizant of the, to the, what it was doing in the background just carrying on your day cracking on letting it do its thing and away you go so yeah it's, it's absolutely amazing incredible and the research is there to back it up. I mean, to your point. And so, so for guys, you know, there's some research that shows uh, when you shine it on your testicles, it could increase your testosterone. I've also used it with some of my clients who have uh, menstrual cramps. Uh, I'll tell them to, you know, shine the red light on that air, their ovaries, and it, it you know calms them down. But if you miss a week, the idea is not to do an hour session in a day. That's not actually a good idea. It's it's the consistency in, in uh, smaller amounts. You don't want to do an hour straight. That would be problematic, right? It's too much in one point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to be, you know, there's been no studies that show sort of a, you can OD on this stuff. But number one, it's a waste of time. And, and two, it's a minimal effective dose, you know, like you can hit your 10 minutes and anything past that's going to be wasting your own time, you know. Exactly. It's, it's not going to be you know? Yeah, and we could go. We could. Ha we'll have a round two conversation because there's a lot more things that I wanted to get to. But and and your your company Bond Charge has, of course, you have the red light panels. The one I have here is more targeted. You have the full panels, which you stand in front of naked, ten minutes front side, ten minutes back side. Uh, that's what I do every morning. And then you also have, of course, the blue light blocking glasses for computer, for nighttime, for gaming, for kids. Very very important. You have sleep masks that are really unique that block out like everything. There, I take them with me when I travel. You have EMF stuff. You have uh, sauna blankets, cold therapy, and you're adding a lot more stuff. So, I love your company. I think what you're doing is amazing. Um, for those listening and watching, go check out Andy's company. We're going to drop a link down below, and we also have a coupon code for you all to get 20% off your entire order, which is super generous of Andy. And that coupon code is Keto Camp, no space in between. Camp with the K, Keto Camp. We'll drop links and the coupon code down below. If you're watching on YouTube, it's below. If you're listening on the podcast, it's in the show notes down below. 
But Andy, I want to acknowledge you and say thank you for the products that you create, the research you put out there. And my final question for you is, my favorite supplement in the world is vitamin G, gratitude. And I want to know what you're grateful for today. Um, I'm just grateful to have this conversation with you, Ben. I know it's pro- probably, um, probably a cheesy one, but I actually am. Like, you know, just being able to sit and have this incredible conversation to be able to just empower us both to just learn more. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I really am. Me too, brother. Where else can they check you out? Social media? Um, yeah, I'm not really, to be fair, I'm not hugely active on social um, media. I mean, it's more sort of uh, the website. I write all the content in, in the blogs there. So that's probably the best place. But, you know, I have a group um, on Facebook called, um, it's, it's just the Bond Charge Community Group. We've got, you know, like six, 7,000 people in there. They're all the like staunch biohacker types, which are uh, always sort of discussing things and talking about, um, you know, all things biohacking. But it's a great place to learn as well. Really friendly place, lovely. You can ask questions, you know, if you've got any questions on light and things or any, anything biohacking, all the experts are in there to, to be able to help you guys. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm dipping in and out of that as well uh, every now and then. Awesome. We'll we'll drop a link for that down below, including your website. And we'll put the social for your company as well. We'll we'll do round two, Andy. Thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show today. Amazing. Thanks so much for having having me. It's been a pleasure. And I hope, you know, at least one person will get something from this and start using light to their advantage. I really hope you enjoyed Andy. He's a ton of fun. I learned a lot with him. And I hope you're inspired to take off the sunglasses. I hope you're inspired to stop eating before bed. And I hope you're inspired to get his products. All of his products, he's got a ton. I didn't even have time to go over all of them. But if you go to the link down below and use the code KETOCAMP at checkout, you get 20% off your entire order. And if you want to watch the video version of today's interview and see the red light that I used, go to keto, uh, youtube.com slash KETOCAMP. We'll also drop links and resources down below with his social media and everything that we talked about can be found down below, including the studies he mentioned. And go sign up for our Keto Challenge. Three days left. You can still get in there, ketocampchallenge.com. Share this episode with a friend. Leave it a rating and review. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for spending part of your day with Andy and myself. I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.